Who knows Joe Hughes? you got a fan club already. <laughs> Joe serves on our board of management and she's doing an awesome job helping me and Noelle and, and Jane and Lindley and Chris. I didn't miss anyone, did I? I think so. That's us. So it's awesome. And, um, you know, um, Joe's been walking through some things. She shared a message a few weeks ago um, at Banquet. And God's just continued to do this powerful work. And so what you're going to hear is, as I said, is a story and a testimony that encourages and put courage in us. So thanks for opening up your life for us. Thanks. It's my privilege, really, to get to share about what he is doing in my life. It amazes me, I mean, he is just the great encourager. Even this morning, um, when we sang Psalm 40, um, that was one of the earliest, earliest um, pieces of scripture that really came alive to me. Um, and if you don't know us, you won't know that that was our gorgeous son who um, declared that scripture this morning. <laughs> Two funny things, or one funny thing and one less funny thing about that. I said to Nick, um, when Noah was the first one up here, I was like, yeah, he's inherited the Hughes family comp- competitiveness. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was right in there. And Nick and I are the kind of parents who have to remember that good parents sometimes let their kids win games. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's good to see that he's got that in him too, you know, who Sonny is. Uh, But more seriously, um, I'll read it for you first again. So, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will put their trust in the Lord. And I knew when I first came to him what he'd done. I knew where he'd taken me from and that I was on a firmer foundation. But it was actually that last bit. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord where I went, ooh, that's a bit, there was a bit of awe about that, that there was something about what he'd done in us that was going to make people turn to him. Um, So just, yeah, he's the great encourager. He just wanted to remind me this morning that he's been speaking about this stuff to me for a long time. So... More recently, the thing he's been speaking to me so strongly about is his heart for us as his people to live from what our true identity is. Um, And talking to me about some things in my life that have blocked that and as part of that taking me on more healing and restoration as he um, brings me to live fully from that identity. Um, And that's involved some shaking and um, as we've seen this week, shaking is unsettling. When the earth shakes, it cracks and destruction happens. And when he shakes in our lives, I think one of the reasons we resist it is because we know that's what happens in the natural and we think destruction's coming. But actually when he shakes, he does tear down some stuff. But when he shakes, it brings wholeness. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today is some of the wholeness he's bringing in my life, <laughs> but the shaking that has had to happen and that I've had to allow to happen for that to happen. So I'm going to tell you a story um, from a couple of months ago when I travelled to the States when he started to really pierce me with his heart for us to come into who we are in him. So I've travelled to the States before but this time I was going as a representative of the government so I was travelling on a different visa to what I'd usually travel on. And I had a sense that that visa was different and would probably mean I could be treated a bit differently, for want of a better word, than normally. 
Um, but when I got to the immigration hall in the States and I showed them this visa, the lady who was pointing to the different lines just said, I'll go there. And there was this big, long line that we usually experience when we go through US immigration. And I, something in me went, mm, I'm not sure about this, but I wasn't sure. That was the point. And I was tired because I'd just come off a 12-hour flight, so I just went into the long line. When I got to the actual immigration desk with the guy who actually knows about this stuff, I handed over my passport and he looked at me and he went, oh, oh, you're different. <laughs> and he basically stamped it and off I went. And what I learned later from people who do know is that the woman at the beginning didn't know and I should have been able to go through one of these shorter lines. So I hope you can see where this is going. So as I was at that desk doing the normal thing, luggage moving along, he said to me, I just felt the grief in his heart when he said, my people are so easily convinced that they're ordinary people with something a bit different when I make them completely extraordinary. And it was, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, like you say, I would have looked like anyone else, but there was just, it was like this piercing in my spirit that almost took my breath away. Um, particularly the grief I could hear from his heart in the same way that a parent grieves when it sees that a child isn't living up to who they could be. That's what it felt like. Um, but I also knew that I couldn't do anything about it, so I just kind of tucked it away in my heart, and I expected him to start doing something about it. And he has. Um, so just wanted to share with you a couple of pictures from his word that have spoken to me particularly strongly about who it is that he says we are. So the first one's in Isaiah 61. So turn there if you've got the word with you. Now we see the scripture a lot and it's beautiful. Um, but I've heard a lot more of the first half of it than the second half of it. So the first half's beautiful. It talks of who Jesus is and who he, what he came to do for us and what we through him are called to do. But there is more to it than that, I'm learning. So the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. <laughs> and then it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the, of the Lord for the display of his splendour. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Um, and whenever I read that Oaks of Righteousness, I just think, wow, I don't really know what it means, but I just get the sense of awe, the sense of strong, solid, healthy people, who people look at them and go, that's the Lord's spender. Like that, that's not very ordinary. That's kind of not just, I live an ordinary life and pray for a few people and struggle and struggle like the rest of the world does. Priests of the Lord, 
again, just a sense of awe of, who are they? Um, this continues in 1 Peter 2. So 1 Peter 2.9 again talks about um, how unordinary we are. So you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into, this, into his wonderful light. So again, in all of them, there's this kind of what he did, who we become, what that shows to the world, progression. Um, not ordinary at all. And yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to share with you um, three times recently where he's done some fairly significant shaking in my life to strip out some stuff that was keeping me from seeing who I really was. I knew this. I'd seen these scriptures before, but there was stuff that meant that I wasn't, my life didn't reflect them. Um, and if you take anything out of this, um, take that I didn't do anything except for recognise the shaking as him and let him do what he needed to do. Um, and I, yeah, what I see in this is just his his faithfulness, his attention to detail, his knowing of me. Because if you have the same issue as me, I can guarantee the thing he does will be a bit different. But I hope that you recognise in it his goodness in your life as well and his commitment to his commitment to all of us. He doesn't say, this is who you are, go and figure it out. He says, this is who you are, but only I can make you that way because how would I be glorified if you just all ran off and did it? Frankly. Right, example number one. So about beginning of 2015, nearly two years ago now, he started to say to me, I want to teach you to run, Joe. And I don't like running. So I was like, oh, that's probably that figurative, those who wait on the Lord will run and not go weary kind of running. When he kept saying it, I was like, oh, you mean actual running, don't you? <laughs> He's funny. <laughs> um, but what a, a precious time I had with him. He just changed my world with what he showed me in that time about his people, about his body, how he sees it working, how important it is to his plans on the earth. Um, so I'm, I'm naturally quite a community-minded person, and my experience was that Christian community was important. Um, and our experience had been that community came around us when we came to the Lord, and that had been important. Um, but I probably kind of thought of it as a, um, a support mechanism, something, you know, we kind of shared these set of values and we supported each other to walk through life with, with Christ. Um, but he showed me that it was a lot more than that. Um, when Jesus says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, by this shall all men know you are my disciples. That means it's a lot more than us just hanging out together and supporting each other through our issues. There's something about us being in right relationship with each other, loving like him, which is quite a high standard, <laughs> that that's the thing that people go, ah, Jesus' disciples. Um, so that was the first picture. Then, as I ran, he just talked to me about how the body works, how the body works under pressure, because I wasn't very fit, so the body was under a bit of pressure, how the body only works when things are connected up properly. So 
doesn't matter how healthy the eye is, if it's not connected properly to the nerves and the ligaments and the brain, it can't function in the thing it's meant to do, and the body can't see. So he talked to me a lot about the importance of um, our relationships with each other are not just functional, they're relationships, and they need to function in the pattern he has, in the same way he designed the body, he designed this body. Um, he talked to me about how he grieves when his body doesn't, is dysfunctional, and when there's division in his body, um, and burst in me a conviction that I would never want to be part of that. Um, and over time he showed me about how the maturing process for each of us can only occur when we're in relationship with each other. The body is in a set of organs all joined to the head. They're all connected up together and that's how they function. So yeah, from what I thought, I thought I kind of got the body as I said, but just over this period he just opened it up to me and opened it up to me. Um, in the scripture, I'll just um, read is Ephesians 4. It's hard to know where to start and finish in Ephesians because it's like one big thing. <laughs> um, but the way he taught me in the season, he kind of taught me by his own hand. He dealt with me and then he showed me the word, which I'd read many times before, and I went, whoa, that's, that's not just about gifts. That's about a whole lot more than that. Um, and I think what you'll hear is it's about... It's about how the body works and it's about our behaviours as well. So at the beginning, you know, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. And then a little bit later, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, oh sorry, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So can you hear in there the function of those gifts, calling forth maturity, calling forth, calling up, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. This is my favourite bit. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Wow, eh? Um, but here's the thing, that whole process when he started trying to talk to me about this started with him having to deal with some things in my heart that I didn't even know were there. I really didn't know. <laughs> um, so as I was running one, one early day, he started to ask me questions. They were related to serving at the rock. And I could see in my responses a bit of meh. Um, and I thought, that's a bit unusual because I understand the body and I love God's people. Why? What's happening here? Um, and he showed me that at some point I'd taken some offence deep in my heart. And that offence, um, 
unknown to my mind, it was a heart thing, had just caused me to back away just the slightest bit, just to turn my heart, let a little bit of hardening get in. And um, he had to deal with that, and it was shocking. It was really shocking. Because uh, I, if, if I looked outwardly, we were still really involved. We were really um, recognised what, what was happening here as God's work. Um, I didn't understand all the teaching, but I recognised by the Spirit that it was truth. I was a life group leader, so you know, <laughs> outwardly there wasn't anything that would have shown you this. I didn't know. Um, so what that really, really taught me is that... Um, I believe he would have withheld that truth from me if I hadn't, at that time, if I hadn't let him deal with that offence because it wouldn't have been healthy for me to understand that more with that going on. Um, really taught me um, what's going on in Psalm 139, which again is a beautiful psalm we hear about quite a lot. Um, but it showed me something new in it. So this is the psalm which talks about how he, he knitted us together in our mother's womb. We were wanted. We're his handiwork. He loves us. We've got a purpose. Um, but it starts by saying, You search me, Lord, and you know and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. Your ways, you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. And then it has the beautiful thing about how he knitted us together. It's beautiful. But then at the end, after saying, you know everything about me, you know what I'm going to say before I say it, you made me. I'm so completely known by you. But verses 23 and 24 say, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So even though he knows us, we have to let him know us in a way that means that he can minister to our hearts. And that's what I did in that season. I let him talk to me about some things that were uncomfortable and unknown to me. Um, And the healing and the freedom that's come from that are just amazing. Um, So a couple of examples, practical examples of how I'm different because of that... Um, I know that I belong to this family and to his body because he says I belong. Beforehand, I might have been a bit like, I knew we were meant to be here, but if I felt like I didn't connect or if people didn't talk to me or whatever, I would feel that. Whereas now I'm like, well, no, belonging is a thing that he sets because he makes the rules. (laughs) Um, And so that gives me the security to do this because I belong even if this doesn't go well. (laughs) And to say things that are uncomfortable to people because we belong to each other even if I upset you. I wouldn't upset you to upset you, but if, in the same way, he needs to upset me sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes we need to upset each other. Um, So that's the other thing, is it's burst in me this... um, almost feel selfish at times. I know how interdependent we are and how our growth relies on each other. (laughs) So... um, I want to call people up. I want to see us all grow um, because my growth is intertwined with yours. But I also know that his word says that us maturing is what glorifies him. So it's not really selfish, I hope. (laughs) Okay, example number two. 
Um, this is more recent. This is the first thing that he did after the airport episode. Um, so it would have been a couple of months ago. Some things happened in my family life where um, I behaved in ways that were just completely shocking to me. So very selfish, anger that I thought had been dealt with manifested quite in quite full-on ways. And I was, again, I was shocked to my core. Where did that come from? Why why am I responding like this? Because I could see well, two things. I could, I could choose and I chose not to take his ways. Um, yeah, but I mean, I could just see generally that there was something that wasn't right. Um, but again, I knew that the thing to do was to take it straight to him and see what he had to say. And what he said really clearly was, I want to heal you, Joe, but you need to feel this pain. And I was like, okay. I kind of would, in myself, be more inclined to get some book <laughs> or try and think about what had triggered this and work through, is there some unforgiveness in my heart? Um, talk about it to lots of people. I did share it with people I was in close discipleship with, but, um, you know, talk about it, see if someone else could make sense of it for me. But he'd said, just need to feel this pain, and so I did. Um, and so there was this period, it wasn't very long, it's probably two or three weeks, where this deep, deep, deep sadness would just well up in me. And it wasn't a, I'm sad about head sadness, it was like a, a heart sadness. Um, and I just would turn it to him. It was kind of like it would just pour out. I wasn't thinking, it wasn't a thinking process, and that was important, I think, that he said you need to feel this pain. He didn't need, say you need to understand it or anything. So, um, Deep sadness poured out to him. Um, it was unsettling because it could have easily um, looked like kind of self-pity or some sort of other over, overly emotional thing going on. Um, but I knew on a deeper level what he'd said, um, so I went with it. But one thing that was important about this process was there was accountability around it. Um, so Nick knew what God had said. Some of the women I was working closely with, walking closely with, knew too. And that was important because I was really vulnerable, right? So I needed covering. I always need covering, but I really needed covering then. Um, and I also needed to know that someone would correct me if I did let my emotions get hold of this, which was... <laughs> Um, a real possibility and they did a couple of times and Nick did have to kind of go hey I think this isn't healthy here um, that was important it's part of walking in the light I think to be wise but to be really open about what it is that God's doing and saying and I was saying to these people at the time oh I don't know I know this is to do with identity I know he's healing something in my identity but I I don't know how, so I'm just going to go with it. And then after a few weeks of this, the sadness just dried up. It was obviously what had to be poured out had been poured out. And I woke up one morning just different. So um, often when I wake up, there'll be a, as my thoughts awake, they awaken prayer to him. But I was like, oh, that's a really different prayer. So um, I had obviously been thinking about something in my day and the normal prayer would have been kind of a, Lord, please work that out, help me. I know you can do this, but please sort it out. Um, but this prayer was, Lord, give me the words to unlock this situation. 
So can you see it's a much more, the first prayer's a bit kind of shaky and it's trusting in God, but it's kind of trying to make God make it go away. And the second prayer is much more forward-leaning. It's a kind of a Lord, um, not that I'm in myself the answer to anything, but just that sense of actually I hold the answer, and my words in this case hold the answer to this situation. Um, and I've just seen it um, continue in that respect. Um, if I'm at a prayer meeting here, and a prayer comes, I just pray it. <laughs> There's less of this kind of, is it the right time? Is it going to sound good? And if it doesn't sound good, right? I did what he asked. So again, it's just that kind of, I would call it forward-leaning confidence in him. Um, and behaviour-wise, the same thing. Um, just times at work, maybe where I would have been like oh, a bit uncertain, so I'll just go with the flow. If I'm a bit uncertain and I think the answer is the non-go with the flow, then I'll just go with that. So just um, confidence in, in him and trust that if it's not 100% right, doesn't, it's not the end of the world if I really am doing what I think it is that he's saying. I don't need to pray for three weeks about which way to go. I can probably just trust him and move if my heart is to do his will. Um, and I was talking to the Lord yesterday. I was like, oh, that process, it would be... I don't need to understand what was happening. In fact, it's probably best I don't in terms of what it was that was coming out. Um, but what is it? How do I describe um, what it is you were doing there? And he reminded me of um, Psalm 51 verse 6 where David says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being (laughs) and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. And I was like, wow, yeah, that explains it. But then when you look at the context where David was writing that, so he was this amazing man of God, he was king, he'd slain Goliath, all the amazing way he'd behaved when Saul was king, and he was the anointed one. And then some stuff in David's heart made him behave in ways that were shocking. <laughs> committed adultery, committed murder. He denied the whole lot. Um, and I just read that psalm differently when he's praying, create in me a clean heart. He's recognising that it's God that has to deal with this stuff. Um, and that's what he was doing here in me. There was stuff hidden in my heart, again, um, this pain was locked away and it allowed lies to be locked away with it securely in the bottom of my heart and those lies were driving behaviour. So as that got poured out, truth could be restored there. Um, Not by any full-on kind of process, it's just the default for us as his children is truth, but there was this place he needed to, so that truth could come. Um, Amazing. And this um, last example is um, one that I'm in the middle of now. Um, and the key to this, I think, what, what I'm walking through is being prepared to admit that sometimes we're not in as much truth and therefore as much life as what we think we are. Um, admit that and then, again, just let him work that out. And on this one, um, he is still working it out. I still don't have sight of the, the goalposts or what he's going to do, but I trust in him that he'll do it.
So <clears throat> just after Steve McCracken came, um, so not very long ago at all, um, Nick said to me one night that God was talking to him on a deeper level about marriage as a picture of Christ and the church and how he just has the sense that there's more to be worked out in our marriage for that to really come to life. And I got really defensive and tried to downplay that, got quite cross um, and just said, oh well, I don't really think there's anything here, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that was quite gracious compared to the way I actually said it. <laughs> um, and the interesting thing here is that um, what I've seen over time is that um, I was looking at it from my perspective and the work God had done rather than from his perfect perspective and the standard that he sets around these things. So um, through seeing what his word says about marriage and accepting that eventually, um, (laughs) because we'd been living in the world for a long time, right? So lots of this stuff about wives and husbands having different and specific roles um, was foreign to us. We were much more in the, well, you just play to your strengths and it didn't really matter. Um, but we had accepted that. Um, and I'd come to see the life that comes from, you know, wives not nagging their husbands and undermining them and even just the practical life for our kids of not living in a house where there's that kind of stuff going on all the time. Um, and how corrosive it is. I mean... Our words should always be life to each other, but there is something particularly corrosive about a wife's cutting words to her husband. Um, So in my world, um, two things were happening. One was, things are better, what's the problem? (laughs) (laughs) See, I told you I'm letting you into my life. (laughs) Um, And the other thing was, um, it hit on my pride, So actually this wasn't about um, submission and leadership and all that stuff really. This was even deeper than that. This was my pride that I had decided that this space was in a good space. I um, had told other people that, so I'd shared with other people just there's all this life and it's so much better, which was true because there's life in his word and in implying it. Um, But to have to go actually... There's a whole, I don't even see this, but there's a whole other thing here. Um, was really hard for me. And it was quite beautiful, actually. Um, he showed me later that um, in the way this played out, the picture of Christ in the church played out. So Nick was saying, I see this thing. I don't really see it, but I know it's there. And I want us to go after it. Um and I love you, and I'm trying to lift you into this. This isn't about me wanting you not to see. This isn't about me trying to be the boss. I see something, and I'm lifting you up. And I thought, that is that is so Christ in the church. There is no... Um, he doesn't lower his standard so that we feel more comfortable, but he's always trying to call us into the life that's in his standard. So it's so amazing how even in this thing which was quite messy and ugly, he's playing out the picture to help me to see what it is that's, that's being called. 
we're being called into. So, um, yeah, um, really where we are now on that is I'm trusting God in his word, and I'm trusting God in Nick, um, and I'm walking by faith at the moment and not by sight. I don't see it, but I just even being in that place, I can um, feel the releasing that comes from being on his process. Um, and I'm sure that um, in his good time, I'll be able to um, tell you more about what that looks like on the other side. So I hope you're encouraged. I hope you can um, see um, him at work in your lives. Um, there's such life to and sharing that with each other in real time. So I just encourage you to, in your discipleship groups, even when you don't understand just start sharing because sometimes understanding comes through community too. Thanks for listening. I was waiting for her to say Nick was the problem. <laughs> I'm just trying to find a scripture. Um, This morning, where are you? Ah, just to finish, or not to finish, but just to. Jesus said this: "My teaching is not mine, but His who sent me. If anyone is willing to do His will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself." And Paul said that the Holy Spirit role is to reveal the things that I is yet to see and ear is yet to hear. And that's why it's this co-airing with the Holy Spirit that he's been given us. And so I want to encourage you, Joe, if you've just gone just to, as you are, continue to let him speak about what is yet to be revealed. 1 Corinthians 8 says, you do not yet know as you ought to. That's fascinating, isn't it? Which shows you that the magnitude of God and that we are discovering more about him and as we discover more about him we discover more about ourselves and then we're able to live that out because of the knowledge that we've just received so it's this beautiful process of I am the bread of life and if you eat of me and drink of me then you will have life within you I've come from heaven I'm not from the temporal I'm from another eternal place and I come and I want you to eat me and drink of me so then you will have my life within you. What an invitation. So we've got to learn. I've got to grow spiritual teeth and the ability to be able to drink spiritual drink. And the Spirit wants to reveal the fullness of who he is and who we are in him. So then we reflect that on the earth, which is what Joe was saying, that the world would be in awe of the Christ in us. Amen? For we are a letter that everybody reads, not with ink, but with the Spirit on our hearts. So be the greatest letter by allowing him to be the author and the perfecter of the letter. Amen.